Welcome back to the Bundesliga show. Uh, European edition is back, back with a bang as we look forward to the knockout stages of both the Champions League and the Europa League for, of course, the German teams uh, that are still involved, which is still a full complement of six. Uh, so we're very lucky uh, with your host as usual, or hosts being singular, because there's no Mark this week, unfortunately, he's not available. Um, so just me and very lucky to be joined by Paul McGarrigy, uh, OTB guru and main editor and as well Spanish correspondent expert and of course Manchester City fan so <laughs> perfect person to have on the show again uh, so Paul thanks very much for your time uh, before we get cracking then um, we'll start with the Champions League and, and the four main ties that involve uh, the teams that are still left in it and of course uh, a few of the other games we'll, we'll mention. Before that, of course, if you're new to the show or you've seen it every so often and you haven't clicked subscribe yet, please do so. Click that big red button because we're getting more and more subscribers. We're coming out with so much more regular content. Uh, we've got lots of we've got a, a good steady fan base as well, which is great. So yeah, the more the merrier. Uh, and just please please enjoy the show and let us know how we're getting on. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, we'll, we'll kind of get cracking with the last 16 of the Champions League, which has been, uh, felt like it's been a long time since we last kind of did the show, actually, um, to review how uh, it all ended. Um, unfortunately, obviously, we've got we've got Paul here as a Man City fan and myself as a Man United fan, so we'll have to try and, uh, you know, dust over the kind of shambles of, of what happened in that regard. <laughs> and Europa League, it's brilliant, brilliant competition anyway, so that's that's obviously why United have gone for it. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll start off with um, the four games that involve German teams. So first of all, we've got RB Leipzig versus Liverpool. We've got Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund, Lazio versus Bayern, and Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Manchester City. So, uh, so obviously, I'm going to be kind of talking about the German side of things, and we'll be getting Paul's uh, aspect and you know expertise on on a lot of those uh, those teams that they're going to be playing. So, we'll start off with RB versus Liverpool, um, and. When the draw was made, I think I think certainly for me this looked like a tasty game just on the face of it. But given the form of both sides that we've seen in recent months, I think we probably kind of thought it maybe a 60-40, 70-30 maybe in Liverpool's favour on the face of it. But right now, I mean, I have to say, well, I'll be probably favourites the way both teams are playing. So it's a it's a really interesting uh thing uh tie coming up it, it looks like a really exciting game as well um for, we'll start from the kind of the english perspective first of all and, and go to you paul about about what you reckon you've seen obviously at liverpool um obviously as a manchester city fan you would have very much enjoyed the the very recent emphatic success so it was a, a very comfortable 4-1 win for for city over liverpool um do you want to just talk a little bit about what what you've seen from liverpool and what you might expect Liverpool to approach this game. Will they go all guns blazing now for the Champions League if they're out of the Prem, would you say? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of it. You know, obviously they, they are having difficulties, um, particularly at centre-half, where it's been very makeshift at the moment. Um, I think for them, they'll be hoping to maybe ride the storm, weather the storm, I should say, for the first leg. 
um, given that there is, I mean, we're talking three and a half weeks or three weeks or so um, before the, the return game. Um, so I think for them, if they can nick an away goal, that's great. You know, it's a, it's a base to build, uh, to bring back to Anfield. Um, we know with Liverpool, the way that they play, that the fullbacks are very important to their style. Um, obviously, for Leipzig, I'd say it's, it's equally apparent, particularly with Angelino, who I think he could be a real key man over the course of the, 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 the two legs. You know, I think that could be where it's decided because... He's he's obviously you know playing on the left and, and he's more of a uh, a wing back or a winger than he is actually a full back. And given the defensive crisis at Liverpool, um, there's there's probably a, a bit of hesitancy of uh, Alexander Arnold or or even on the other side um, Robertson to to come forward. And when they do, we know Angelino is very quick at getting in behind and finding that space, and he can create something. And given how vulnerable they are at centre-half at Liverpool at the moment, that's something they'll be very wary of. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like James Milner is put in um, on the, the right-hand side of midfield, to, more so for it, the fact that he can. we know he's a box-to-box guy. He has an engine in him. He can run for, for days on end. Having there is a bit of extra protection against the threat that Angelino poses. Um, and I think, you know, a fair... Fair play to uh, to Leipzig. You know they, they do look like they are more than just one or two players, obviously. And we know Danny Olmo's a a great little talent as well. And I think they're two players that Liverpool will be most worried about. Um, they're, they're two players who you know they're not the biggest on the pitch, but they're certainly very good technicians and very quick with the feet. Um, obviously, look, going forward, Liverpool will believe they can score, but. Um, I think that the, the, the first leg will be very different to the second leg. We don't know if Liverpool, you know, they signed um, centre half from um, was it from Schalke, wasn't it? Yeah, um, Kabak. Yeah, yeah. Kabak. Yeah. So we don't know if he's going to have time to to bed in before the second leg. I think the first leg, given that it's um, you know it's a matter of days away now for us, at the time of recording, I think no, we'll still go with uh, Henderson, who we've seen play there, or. Um, you know, it'll be another makeshift defence uh, and that plays into Leipzig's hands. But the second leg, I think Liverpool, you know, that, that's when they'll really try and uh, and, and win it. Um, and it, it could be a very difficult game for Liverpool fans to watch um, on the 16th of February when they, when they travel to... Is it Hungary their game's taking place? Well, yeah, so that was a point that I was going to pick up with you actually there, Paul, because you say in terms of Liverpool playing away and and trying to get that goal away from home, it's effectively an away game for RB. Um, Obviously, there's the comfort of of playing at home. Obviously, we haven't got fans at the moment, which obviously makes a huge amount of difference regardless of where you play. Um, But So, yeah, it, it will be an alien environment for RB as well. So they haven't got the, you know, a little you know, a small amount of travel. They'll they'll know their kind of routines, their, the area, the changing rooms. It will all be different for them at this neutral venue. Um, so yeah, that that may well pay you know a massive difference in in this kind of in this tie. Um, so that's a really interesting point, I think. So we'll have to watch out for that. And then yeah, just going on to obviously, there's a lot of key battles that will, will happen in this game. I think particularly. As you meant, rightly mentioned, the fullbacks. Whoever wins that kind of contest, if if Trent and and Robertson play well and get forward as much as they can, and kind of 
restrict Angelino and, and the other fullback. Sometimes it's Haidara um, to kind of play a bit more defensively, then that, that'll be a huge game for them. I think one key aspect for Liverpool is, uh, in terms of key players that you can pick out, obviously Mane is a huge player for them. But I think certainly in midfield, if Henderson plays in midfield, it's a huge boost for them. If he has to play in centre-back, in centre-defence, it's it just takes a lot away from their game. So, you know, it's kind of square pegs in round holes, that sort of kind of conundrum that they've got at the moment. So obviously do you do you think that if Henderson gets to play in centre midfield, can you see the Liverpool having a lot more of the ball and controlling the game other way around? I think you can see RB trying to make the most of that. So I mean it I'm not saying that that's a game changing sort of move but do you think if Henderson has to play a centre-back they'll be under the cosh? Yeah I think I, I do and I, and I think that's where you might see a difference between the first leg and, and, the, and the second leg. I think the first leg there's a good chance Henderson will play centre-half but like you say he's such a big personality for that team um, and he does allow them when he's in the midfield he does allow them to control the game a lot more. I personally think that by the time of the second leg Liverpool will have adjusted and, and they will have brought um, Kabak into to defence. Um, I'm not so sure about the young lad that they've signed from Preston. I think he's more yeah. of a long-term project for them rather than going straight into the first team. Um, so I think Henderson's more likely to play midfield in the second leg and that's when Liverpool will be on the front foot. And yeah. the first leg, like you say, I think if he's at centre-half, then run at him if you like. See, just run at him. Um, he, you know, he's a, he's a great midfielder, but on the turn, I think uh, most centre halves would, uh, most centre forwards would fancy their chances of uh, of beating him in a battle. Yeah, very good. Um, so, well, we'll quickly go into what we think our predictions uh, will be for this game. I think certainly if RB can can unlock that clinicality in their game, they have struggled centre forward wise. Obviously, the striker Sorlov hasn't done too well. Uh, since coming to the club so a lot of the pressure then falls on the likes of Forsberg and Olmo but if they can create and they can get Liverpool then I think they will score goals and I'm gonna gonna go out there and say a very entertaining 3-2 aggregate win for RB Leipzig so Paul what do you reckon? Yeah I see both teams scoring in both legs as well and, and like you I think um, it's going to come down to key battles I think Olmo and um and Angelino, as I've said, will be the difference makers. I'm going to edge Leipzig to go through. I'm going to say they're going to win the first leg 3-1. And I'm going to say that they get an away goal, which will be enough um, to take them through just about in the second just leg. Out. Good stuff. Righty. So we'll move on uh, to the next game, which looks like a very well-balanced tie, actually, at the moment. So it's Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund. Um, so coming from the German perspective on this, we've got Borussia Dortmund sitting in sixth place at the moment in the Bundesliga. Um, stuttering is probably a compliment to the way they've been playing so far. Uh, well, since Christmas, we've seen them remove the manager in the shape of Lucien Favre, and we've had this um, replacement or temporary coach in, in for now. Um, that, that is a big thing at the moment that I think Borussia Dortmund are missing. Myself and Mark and even Josh, when we had Josh on from JJD TV, have kind of discussed this in detail. And 
And I think they just gen genuinely are lacking that top class coach right now. Um, there have been lots of whispers about the Gladbach coach and, and a few others coming in that I think they need him now. Um, they're very much risking their entire season imploding in a matter of, well, this month really that we're looking at. If they lose a few more games in the Bundesliga, they're effectively out of the top four race. They're only in it because of other teams' inability to win and be consistent. And then, obviously, this tie as well is a huge one for them. Uh, so, And they've got a very tough DFB-Pokal match in the quarterfinals as well, so which they could easily lose as well. So it's a huge month for them. Uh, and they need their key players uh, to be on form and be on song. Uh, so I'll touch on them in a little bit. But then, uh, Paul, so we'll move on to your Spanish expertise in the shape of Sevilla. Um, do you want to kind of talk us through how Sevilla might approach this game and how they're doing, generally speaking, this season and how they've been doing in La Liga as well? Yeah, um, well, with Sevilla, they are, in my view, one of the best uh, cup sides uh, Perhaps I'd go as far as to say in the world at the moment um, for the way that they seem to be so ruthless in knockout games. You know, they, obviously the Europa League has pretty much become their own over the last few years. Um, and knowing that that this year, they, they you know, they they have made the extra step and gone one stage further in the Champions League. And they'll probably look at this game thinking, like you say, you know, Dortmund are not having a great time at the moment and Dortmund look a very different team with and without Haaland in the squad and um, they will be fancying the chances. They are currently fourth in La Liga at the time of recording. Mm -hmm. uh, they've just taken a two-goal advantage uh, in the first leg of the Copa del Rey to uh, Barcelona. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, ruthless in cup competitions. Um, I think, I mean, they did have a rocky patch around about October time. Yeah, it was October. Uh, they lost three league games in a row. Um, but since then, I mean, they've, they've gone on a fantastic run. Um, I, I might be right in thinking, I think they lost one game since the turn of the year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they, they've got danger all over the pitch. They've got um, Jesus Navas, obviously, at right back, who can provide great width and pace going forward. You know, he's, he's a converted winger in, in his old age. Yeah. Uh, but he still he gets he gets in some great positions and, and he's crossing um it's always into a danger area and when they've got four players that kind of all shape shift <laughs> from up front for them they, yeah. they, they do start most games like in a in a four three three or a four two three one um but the the front four do tend to sort of move around like you've got Lucas Acampos, you've got Suso mm -hmm. um good chance that Yusuf and Nasiri will be playing for them. Mm -hmm. uh, in this game, as he did uh, in the Europa League games uh, towards the back end of last season, and that's more to do with the fact that Lucas Acampos, uh, his his injury record isn't fantastic at the moment, mm -hmm. um, and it, I think going into going into this one, particularly obviously with it being at home at the Roman Sanchez Pizjuan, um, Sevilla will will fancy themselves certainly for the first leg to be heavy favourites, and they'll want to get a couple of, of goals to take with them um to into the second game i think there's a very good chance that sevilla will keep a clean sheet at home and i think there's a good chance that they will score more than one um which you know like you've mentioned about dortmund and their current situation if they if they've got to um recover say a, a two goal deficit with no away goals yeah. it will open up the second leg so much 
and Sevilla can be deadly on the counter attack, which I think might have been was it Manchester United uh, last year in the uh, Europa League semis. Yes. Semis, yeah. Um, you know, they, the, 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 particularly, the, was it the second or third goal? It was um, a very quick counter-attack and quick break. Mm-hmm. But like yep. I said to you, they, they, they are dangerous all over the pitch. They, they've got Ivan Rakitic, who, you know, I should have mentioned him earlier because we know how good he is from his time at Barcelona. Oh, Fantastic technician, yeah. The, the, the midfield three, whichever midfield three it is, whether it's Joan Jordan in there or... Fernando, who, you know, Fernando was a flop at Manchester City. There's no two ways about it, but he mm-hmm. is uh, one of the best older midfielders in La Liga at the moment. Um, so I think Sevilla will be full of confidence, particularly yeah. looking at the condition of Dortmund at the moment. And I didn't really think that I would be, um, you know, if you'd asked me at the start of the season, I, I would think Dortmund would have been a, a real threat to anyone in Europe. But at the yeah. moment, I'm really struggling to see them overcome Sevilla. So, yeah, so we're talking, uh, just kind of touching on the frailties there at Dortmund and how Sevilla might kind of go at Dortmund. Certainly, we've seen in the Bundesliga of late two very good ways of getting at Dortmund. Seem to be certainly one from set pieces. There's clearly a bit of a, a weakness there right now. And putting in balls in behind the defence, which is incredibly slow when they try to play high up the pitch, because generally speaking, they do try to press teams. And one thing that's really developed of late is a real, real problem with their keepers. Roman Berkey has had a bit of a bad time and this kind of build up of him being dropped or kind of injured in, in inverted brackets. So they brought in the, the other uh, keeper hits and he did OK in his first game. And then quite recently, he's had a, he's had a sting for himself and his confidence is low. Um, so do you think Sevilla will maybe target this? I mean, is Sevilla a sort of team that like to play balls in behind? I, I know um, from watching them, I think certainly set pieces they're strong from. Yeah, but particularly from corners. I mean, they've, they've got um, Jules Koundé and Diego Carlos at centre-half, and both of them are, you know, they're, they're, they yeah. are effectively wardrobes, aren't they? They're huge <laughs> units. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from any set piece that they go forward, I think, yeah, like you mentioned there, Dortmund could be uh, really worried by. Balls in behind as well, yeah, particularly if Ocampos is up front. He, he's not like, he's not the, the, the quickest of players. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a fast forward, but he's not, um, he's more of these sort of, one of these sort of centre-halves that he, he, he's, he's, he's more boxing clever than he is natural talent do you know what i mean he will yep. he'll, he'll probably wind the center half up and he will wind him up like he'll get in his head but he'll, he'll also change direction quite frequently mm-hmm. and that's where particularly if dortmund are having frailties between the, the the communication of the back four and the keeper then from open play he will be a danger um and like you mentioned there set pieces i this is why i, I am i am back in dortmund obviously uh, so back in Sevilla, and I am worried that Dortmund, from an entertainment point of view, that Dortmund may not um, be as uh, threatening towards Sevilla as uh, you might hope from a neutral point of view for a good game. Yeah. Um, so very, very quickly touching on Dortmund, there, there are there are issues, not all over the pitch, and there are certainly issues within the defence and keeper. Certainly, the midfield gets chopped and changed quite a lot. Um, Looking, looking going forward, of course, there's talent 
galore in, in that side. They're really keen to get Thorgan Hazard back as well. He's been a really good player for them. Uh, he's been a bit of a miss as well, kind of tying it all together. Gio Reyna's had a decent season, but not lit up. Haaland is obviously a key cog, and Sancho has just started to show signs of improvement since Christmas, I think. So I think it will be the case of Dortmund's attack might have to bail them out and they'll have to be on song to keep them in the contest. So I agree with you on that because I think they will concede goals at least maybe two in the first leg. Uh, so we'll go on to the predictions now quickly before we uh, over-egg this one. Um, <laughs> from a Bundesliga point of view, I'd love to see Dortmund progress. Uh, so with that head on and kind of back in the attacking talent that they have, I'm going to say they might squeak squeak through maybe on a um away goals or something something jammy like that i feel like their season needs it to get into the quarterfinals so yeah dortmund just for me i'm gonna say severe will win the first leg two nil and they'll get an away goal um against dortmund i think the second tie dortmund might you know they might pick up a, a two on win but i think the damage will already have been done in the first leg so i'll, I'll say severe on away goals at the very least very good. Uh, so the third game we're going to concentrate on from the uh, Champions League and German point of view is uh, going to be uh, Bayern Munich, obviously the champions, uh, hosting or going away to Lazio in the first leg. Um, so obviously we, we know a little bit about Lazio, I think the both of us, Paul, not, not maybe necessarily a deep um knowledge from from either side of ours so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Bayern to start with um they obviously they've played a lot of football this season and they've kind of slept walk kind of got in in terms of their season so far um they've not really which is a sad thing that I'm about to say they've not really been challenged so far in the league which is a great shame uh because obviously from the Bundesliga point of view we want to see an active title race uh, and they've kind of yeah just nudge and nerdled their way into a seven point lead give or take and now at the moment there as obviously as we're recording there um, at the club world cup um which has been a bit of a nightmare in terms of getting there logistically um so when they return they've got a a game against hoffenheim no sorry not hoffenheim they do have a game on the monday night i do forget who it's against Bielefeld. My yeah, Bielefeld, that's it, because we me and Mark were talking about the scheduling <laughs> and buying being at home to Bielefeld. So yeah, very suspicious that. Um by the way around, they'll be able to throw out a pretty bang average team for that game and go all guns blazing into this. Um in terms of a one-sided tie, um I, I mean I can only see Bayern coming out of this. I Lazio did create a lot of trouble uh, for Dortmund actually in the group stages because they were in their group and they they basically hammered them away from home actually and Immobile uh, obviously was key to that. We've seen um, a Man United player go out on loan there, Andreas Pereira. He's had a bit more success out there. Obviously his numbers don't really stack up. They never seem to, but he's certainly had a bit more success. Um, so there will certainly be dangers uh, for a, a leaky bind defence. But the issue is, is that you can get in behind the buying defence quite easily. Getting it past well, Neuer is actually another thing because he's having another fantastic season in between the sticks, actually. He's been absolutely superb, a rock. And then even when you're not firing, Bayern generally score two or three goals. Um, so I, for me, it's quite scary prospects that they've not even really got started this season. And the recent weeks, maybe last month, they're really starting to 
just slowly ramp it up, I think. Um, so Paul, looking at it from a neutral point of side, maybe not knowing either t- either side that well and looking at it, the cold, hard facts, can you see anything but a buy and win? Um, it's hard. I mean, over the course of the two legs, it's got, you know, I can't see anybody other than Bayern, you know. Um, well, obviously, it can only it can only be Bayern or Lazio, but uh, I think Lazio will um, put up more of a fight than perhaps you're suggesting there. I mean, they, like you mentioned, they, they did give a good uh, account of themselves in the group stage against Dortmund. Um, you know, in fact, from what I remember, um, they were unbeaten uh, in the group. So they, they just get two draws with Dortmund. Oh, yeah, quite um, possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they're currently fifth in Serie A. Um, Immobile is going to be a key player for them, obviously. Um, but I, I do think, yeah, the defensively is where, where they will fall short against a, a mechanical Bayern Munich team, um, like you said. And I, I think sleepwalking is a is a good way of um, rounding Bayern up from, from what I've seen this season. Um, and... I would say as well, you know, did you not get the same feeling when they were playing, uh, when we had the compacted Champions League knockout stages uh, back in August? Uh, it did feel a bit like they were, they, with the exception of, uh, you know, uh, the demolition um, on, the, on, you know, the route to lifting the trophy. Um, yeah. It did feel a little bit like Bayern Munich were um, very easily just going through the motions and still getting the results because of the firepower that they have. And, and obviously they've added players since then with Leroy Sané, although I would argue that he's he's not quite had the impact that they will have been hoping for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, sheer weight of numbers in terms of, you know, quality and, and goals within the team. Yeah, Bayern Munich have got to be the, the outright favourites for this. Yeah, very much agreed. Certainly one player I think that will be key and has been key since he's returned is Joshua Kimmich, um, as I think he likes his first name pronouncing. Um, I saw actually quite recently there's there's something on on social media that Pep Guardiola uh, Pep Guardiola had said to Kimmich about him being you've basically got all the instruments to be the best player in the world or one of them. Uh, so obviously Pep's a huge fan. Um, he's a really excellent player and and it's really really obvious when he's not in the team he's developed into a fantastic leader can play a multitude of positions and he just connects it all together brilliantly so there's no surprise that we've seen with the return of Kimmich the return of a more confident and dominant um Bayern side so yeah I think looking at the the two the two-leggedness obviously if there's only one leg there's a bit more of a chance, I would say, say for Lazio. Um, but I think the better team should obviously come through over two legs. So in terms of our predictions, I'll say Bayern by a two-goal margin. I think that's fair, yeah. But I might say Bayern by a three-goal margin, just so that I've said something different to you. <laughs> <laughs> like it, very good. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll very swiftly move on to our last game that we're going to concentrate on with regards to the Champions League. And that's going to be... Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Paul's Manchester City, uh, his beloved. So um, I'll come over to you in a sec, Paul, obviously with regards to the Manchester City um, perspective. Um, with regards to Mönchengladbach, they are at the moment, they're currently sitting seventh actually in Bundesliga. They've been up and down a little bit between fourth and seventh um, since around Christmas time. Uh, they have been struggling for form and consistency. Uh, certainly wasn't helped 
uh, when Marcus Duram very stupidly and naively spat in the face of an opponent, got himself a, a lengthy five or six uh, game ban, I think it was. And although they didn't actually lose during that spell, they just looked a bit more blunt. Uh, they had to rely on centre-backs kind of getting headers from free kicks and stuff to kind of get them through games. And um, But they've now got that back. Um, they certainly have saved their best performances uh, for the Champions League, which kind of obviously gives them a bit more hope. And obviously it's a huge tie for them. Um, Manchester City have on Gladbach anyway the experience of being there and done it. It's certainly in terms of how many times they've been there recently, City, in terms of their pedigree. Um Right, I mean, right now, looking at both sides, it, it kind of looked, for me, it's hard to pick out an obvious point where Gladbach would attack City. Um, City have obviously tidied up their centre-back partnership now, it seems. Um, the one thing that might hurt City from a Gladbach point of view is pure pace. Um, just, just for something different, obviously, if you play into the hands of City and kind of lob long balls up to them, Diaz and Stones or Laporte, whoever is playing, should eat that up all day long. So I think Gladbach are just going to have to go for a really high energy, high attacking uh, press and and kind of mode of playing. So we'll have to see how that goes goes for them. So Paul, do you want to kind of touch on what what you expect City to do in 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 the context of this of this tie, particularly, and how you might think they they would attack Gladbach? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the um, with City, with the first legs away, um, I can't remember if that's also taking place in Hungary, um, but it's it may it's well not, be, yeah. yeah, it's not taking place at the Etihad anyway. Um, City will be wanting to get their away goal. We know Pep Guardiola is very, very keen on getting an away goal, even though he, if you look historically, since he won. The Champions League with Barcelona, his number of away wins in knockout stages in the Champions League isn't actually that great. Um, yeah, you're right. I think that the pace will be a threat, and um, will from a City point of view, um, depending on who starts at left back for us, um, will be um, maybe a, a, an indicator for, for um, Gladbach and where they should approach us. Particularly, I would say if I was a Gladbach fan. Um, if City start with Zinchenko or Benjamin Mendy at left back, neither of those players, particularly uh, <laughs> from a fan point of view, neither of them particularly works hard enough in the defensive uh, end for me, and, and and they do leave a lot of space. Now, don't get me wrong, you know I'm not bad mouthing my own players, and like I just think that they have been a bit of a weak link at times um, in that position because of the the space that they leave and how exposed the full the, the uh, centre half can be left. Um, I think the, the the game plan will be pretty simple uh, for the first leg. It will be um, don't concede and, and get an away goal. City will play to attack. I expect um, players like I think Foden, Gundogan, and Raheem Sterling in particular will be three names that I would be very surprised if they don't start. Um, just because of how important they have been in the big games. Um, and you know, you look at the Liverpool away game. You look at the Champions League games in general. This this season, um, those have been three names that, that have been pretty much the first on the team sheet for Guardiola. He does put a lot of trust in Ilkay Gundogan, and obviously Gundogan having played in Bundesliga for you know uh, pretty much was it ten years near enough. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, he uh, he'll know inside out what the uh, the pace of the game will be like, and I think he could be a really important cog in the midfield. Um, but Going forward, if if De Bruyne is 
fit and back ready because he's only just returned to training um then you know it's a different game altogether because he'll be given a free roll um but I, I, I'm not sure if the first leg might come a little bit too soon for him, um, mm-hmm. which obviously plays into Gladbach's hands. Um, but yeah, I think City will be not playing on the counter-attack because that's not the way to go, but we'll be looking to stretch the back four and get in behind the full-backs. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe um, rather than Gabriel Jesus starting up front, um, it may be somebody in a false nine position like Bernardo Silva, like we saw in the second half at Anfield against Liverpool. because it. It allowed the two um, makeshift centre halves to be dragged further out, particularly somebody like John Henderson having a false nine um, play against him. His natural instinct as a midfielder is to come out of the back four, and that creates yeah. so much space for a Foden, as we saw for uh, particularly the last goal at Anfield. I wouldn't be surprised if if, if City do that again um, and and do that against Gladbach, not because of any you know condescending view I have over the the Gladbach defence. But just because how, if you watch Champions League games, particularly Champions League games involving some of the German teams, the uh, the amount of discipline and, and the amount of times that they tend to favour man-marking over zonal marking mm. might be just enough of encouragement. Um, so, I, I, I mean, we've played, we have played Gladbach a couple of times over the last uh, five or six years and we have had the better of them both home and away. Uh, I think 2-1 the first time we went to... Um, Gladbach's uh, own place. Um, obviously, both very different teams since then. They uh, back then they had like Mohamed Dahoud up for, uh, in the midfield for them, and we had Nicholas Otamendi at centre back. Um, yeah, but you know they, they've they've got players that we're worried about too. Um, Dennis Sakaria, uh, who recently has been uh, linked with a move to City, but I'll just tell you now that's not happening. Um, the particular outlet that has written that has written that article just for clicks. I can tell you that. Okay. Um, but uh, no, so Pep will take this seriously. City will be worried, and we'll have done our homework. Very good. Well, yeah, it promises to be a good tie. Um, I do hope Gladbach can go out and be positive to start with because I, I see that's the only way into the tie for them. Um, so yeah, if their attacking side turns up. Chiram, Plie, Last Indoor, of course, is very central to that. Very good set piece uh, taker as well, actually. So we'll see how how they go against City defence. Uh, in terms of predictions, um, if you'd asked me this a few months ago, um, I would have, well, I would have liked to have back, got back anyway, given that I'm a Man United fan. Um, <laughs> so I feel dirty saying this, but right now, um it's hard to say, hard to say anything but city by um by by two goals i think on aggregate um it, it but i think that might might throw in a few uh scares along the way but city in the end by two yeah i think that's fair i i wouldn't be surprised if if Gladbach, um punches on the nose and get the first goal of the uh of the first game to be fair it, that could be the wake-up call that city need but i'm hoping for a professional performance I do see both teams scoring over the course of the two legs, um, but I think City by a by a three goal margin overall. Okie doke. Um, so yeah, we'll move on to the Europa League in in one second. Uh, very very briefly, we'll, we'll just kind of look at two other ties that certainly look tasty. The other four that have been drawn, we got Barca, PSG, Atletico, Chelsea. Um, obviously, in terms of looking at maybe favourites that are still lurking 
in the competition. Atletico have obviously looked really dangerous. Paul, obviously, I know you obviously you closely follow La Liga. So, you know, maybe out of, say, Barca, Real Madrid and Atletico, would you say maybe Atletico the best chance for La Liga? Uh, yeah, I would say it's looking like that at the moment. You know, Atleti are, are by far the most consistent team in the league, and I would hope, on they, they will certainly be hoping that they can transform that into the uh, the Champions League. Um, well, it's hard to know what to predict though with, with that game because obviously Chelsea have just got a new manager, um, and I think you know, given where they are in the Premier League at the moment, they will certainly be focusing on trying to go through. So I actually think I know a lot of people don't necessarily consider Atleti to be a um, a team where they think a lot of people think they're just one nil specialists but mm-hmm. I think this, the, the two legs could be uh, quite exciting from a neutral point of view I, I would certainly say that right now Atleti are my favourites uh, of the, the Spanish tie, uh, sides uh, with the exception of Sevilla um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Atleti and um, Sevilla go through to the next round and one of the two others, Barca or Real Madrid, get knocked out in this round. Interesting stuff. So we'll uh, we'll move on to the Europa League because, of course, we still have two Bundesliga sides uh, remaining in what is the round of 32. Uh, such a big competition, the Europa League. Very hard to win uh, in terms of competition overall. Um, so... Uh, the first game that we're just quickly going to touch on is is uh, involving by Leverkusen, uh, and they're going away to Young Boys, um, first of all, uh, who are, are in first place in the Swiss League by a, by a country mile as well, actually. So they're they're not by any stretch they're no mugs. Uh, obviously, they got through their group quite quite well. Um, Leverkusen again have have been very shaky since their their big loss. Uh, well, not in terms of the scoreline, but losing 2-1 and succumbing to Bayern just before Christmas. Uh, it really shot their confidence. Uh, they've been really shaky, apart from a good win over Dortmund. Uh, they've lost games. They've looked shaky, haven't scored goals until very recently after they put five past Stuttgart in the in the league. Um, so this might well be a catalyst for them. They can maybe go harder at the Europa as well. Uh, it will be hard to balance that mixing in with a with a fight for the top four because that's very close at the moment as well uh one of the most exciting parts of the Bundesliga is the race for the top four actually um so we'll look at that very carefully uh Paul obviously I'm not expecting you to give me a detailed analysis of young boys um but I mean would you would you suspect the Leverkusen have too much firepower for the young boys in this one yeah, I think so. I think that's fair to say. I mean, I don't expect young boys to just turn up and roll over. Uh, they've lost one game in domestic league all season, which is phenomenal, really. Um, you know, they finished second in the group to Roma, and and I think they, they only they lost two games, and both of them were to Roma, and they won the rest. I think, um, you know, so it's it's not it's not a, a bad record that. But like you say, I, I can only see Leverkusen overpowering them in both games. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think the firepower that the buyer, oh, sorry, the Leverkusen have, uh, Diaby and and, Leon, uh, and Bailey have you know kind of got a bit between the teeth at the moment. As long as Peter Bosch doesn't play around too much with playing Verts as a false nine, that was an experiment that would 
horribly backfired. So he needs to stick with Olario or, or Patrick Schick up front. And I think they'll be more than fine and should progress through to the, the next round, the round of 16. Um, and then the last game that we're briefly going to touch on is uh, involving Hoffenheim and Mould. Um, so Hoffenheim at the moment are hovering in mid-table uh, and they've had a, a really poor season in the Bundesliga and, and basically came to a crossroads where the the manager, uh, Sebastian Hernes, was, was expected to be sacked and he got a public backing and they got a couple of 3-0 wins on the back of that and have kind of got themselves out of the conversation for relegation, fortunately for them, because they have a squad more than capable of finishing inside the top six and, and competing in Europe, which they've done with ease so far because they absolutely cruised their group uh, and looks really good at times in the Europa League. So I don't know where that form's gone. They've just got Kramerich back scoring goals again, which I think is really important. Important. He's their talisman. Uh, we've seen other players like Bebu and Bedfordil really struggle to kind of fill that kind of gap uh, in terms of their clinicality in front of goal. Uh, Ryan Sessignon has been in and out of the team um, as a kind of attacking threat. So it's been hit and miss for him as well. Um, from what we know of Molde, while well, they're second in the Norwegian league, uh, however, they are a long, long way off first place, some maybe 20 points odd. So, I mean, if if I was them, Paul, I think you know, you'd just go all guns blazing for this, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's it. You know, I, I think why not just have a crack? You never know. I, I, like you've mentioned there, the, the season at Hoffenheim, I obviously, isn't, isn't great. At 12th, you say, in the bottom, does yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And with with the exception of Cramerich, they don't look particularly threatening at times. So, yeah, if you are Mulder, then just throw everything you've got at this because you never know. You never know. Absolutely. But I, I mean, I can't see it happening, but fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, in, in ways of predictions, I think it should be Hoffenheim by uh, by a couple of goals. And that that hopefully will be something to, for them to cling on to this season because domestically it hasn't been so good. Um Looking at the rest of the Europa League, just briefly, Paul, um, obviously there's a couple of teams that have fallen from the Champions League as ever. that come third and then go into the knockouts. We've got Man United, of course, my team, with a very tricky-looking game, actually. Uh, other maybe favourites, we've got Spurs, um, Leicester as well, look potentially uh, dangerous, Roma, and even Ajax. Um, so, I mean, out of the teams there, if you had to kind of pick one maybe to win it, at this particular juncture, uh, who would you be forced to say? It's really difficult to pick one, if I'm being honest. I think people might be surprised that, that Leicester um, will, but I think they will be giving it a go. And I know they're obviously doing quite well in the Premier League, but I think Brendan Rodgers is the sort of guy who will genuinely push and um, put a good team out in the uh, Europa League. I don't expect United to put the strongest of teams out in, in their you know, and I'm I'm fairly certain that you'll be of the same opinion in the sense that practically United are still well within a chance of winning the Premier League, and and I don't say that you know through <laughs> choice. It's 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 a it's a numbers you know it's a factor yeah. that they are still within chance. Uh, obviously, the the through to the next round of the FA Cup as well. Um, but for them, I just see the uh, the Europa League as not quite being the same priority as the Premier League and obviously we know if you go through in the Europa League it becomes Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday for your fixtures. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry to say this, but I don't. I don't think United will um, put out a full strength team, and that could come back to bite them. Um, yeah. I still expect them to to give it a go, regardless of what team he uh, puts out. But I think somebody like Leicester, maybe Spurs, actually under Mourinho, they they may be more inclined to have a good crack at it, and yeah. uh, and so. But I don't actually see any of the English teams winning the Europa League. If I'm being yeah, honest, I, I, I tend to agree. To be fair, yeah, yeah. If I had to pick one name to win the Europa League right now, I think I'd probably say Leverkusen. But, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just saying that because this is a, a Bundesliga <laughs> show. The Bundesliga show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good so. stuff. So I think certainly often the Europa League and how seriously you take it, it maybe depends on where you are in the table. Um, as you mentioned, United at the moment obviously are sitting comfortably inside the top four and, and don't need that cherry of winning the Europa League to get Champions League football at this particular moment. So I do I do agree with you in that in that regard. Um but that, that is it, basically. We've kind of gone through the games that we wanted to go through. Uh, we've actually gone through it in, in a bit longer time than we than we actually planned. We've been getting well into, into the detail of these games, so I hope everyone who's been watching has, has enjoyed that. Um, obviously, if you're watching, please please let us know what your thoughts are on, on the games. Who do you think is going to win the Champions League, the Europa? Uh, do you think there's going to be shocks, upsets? Uh, yeah, please, please do let us know. Um, And of course, if you're watching for the first time or even if you're a regular viewer but you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Please click that red button uh, and subscribe to the channel. There's lots and lots going on at at OTB at the moment. Uh, Lots of excellent articles and of course our our most recent uh, latest kind of channel that's that's come or series that's come out on the channel. was an interview with with Rochdale striker Stephen Humphreys, uh, and that's a really big cue uh, for the the website and the channel in general. So please do go check that out. Uh, go check out the Bundesliga, the League One show. Um, it's really helpful that you guys are, are watching so much. Um, so thanks very much to Paul. Um, just before we go, uh, if you're if you're still uh, kind of wanting to check out over the bar we do have uh, do have a very active twitter page as well uh we're on hopefully on the way to around 10,000 followers on that we're slowly getting up there so that's that's kind of the mission statement so please do leave us a follow on there and of course the over the bar website where all the articles uh live and breathe uh it's a fantastic website so if you ever want an article on anything there's there's lots of in-depth stuff on there so check it out um so that's it from me and that's it from uh from paul so we'll catch you next time on the european show of the bundesliga so cheers all cheerio